Welcome to the Marketing in the Wild podcast. I'm Julia from Stratus Creative Marketing, where we are obsessed with finding real life in the wild stories about business and marketing. Everybody, welcome back this week. I have a special guest, Karen Anderson. Um, She and I met at a conference back in April uh, over in Nashville, and we connected. I told her that we have a lot of aspiring authors listening to our podcast and coming to us for advice, and she agreed to come on to the podcast. Um, Karen, tell us a little bit about yourself and what you do. Sure. Well, First, thank you, Julia. So fun oh. to be here. I'm really glad. I'm glad this worked out. And gosh, you know, I have been in the book business for 25 plus years. And uh-huh. so um kind of done it all. So I'll tell you a little bit about my background. Uh, yeah. So where I am right now, I'm an associate publisher with Morgan James Publishing. We are a hybrid publisher, which I think is the best of both worlds. We have all the benefits of traditional publishing. But authors keep their IP, so oh, cool. um, mm-hmm. so that's that's why I do it. Um, I've kind of done everything that you can do. I self-published mm-hmm. my first book when it was very expensive to do that. Uh-huh. I was on. I have grandchildren, so I'm like I'm not that young. Um, <laughs> so this was before Amazon, before grandkids, before Amazon. Uh, mm-hmm. So I self-published my first book, and then I got picked up by a national publisher, and then I did the whole author you know, dog and pony show mm-hmm. with a national publishing company. And then I, uh, then I went to work for a publisher mm-hmm. and did that for many years. And then, uh, I first got into the book business. Okay. So I don't tell many people this, but if you look on uh, my first career, I was a marriage and family therapist. Oh, and cool. so yeah. So I, I help people communicate. And yeah. so and that's what I, I did. Um, I got, it went from, being a therapist for a long time to getting into direct response marketing. And I felt yeah. it was, it's a weird kind of, um, it, it's kind of a weird connection, but mm-hmm. for me, marketing is really helping and compelling a person to take action, something mm-hmm. that's going to be good for them, something that's going to be something that solves a problem. That's what I did as a th- therapist. I help people mm-hmm. communicate, solve their problems, get to where they yeah. want to be. It felt very similar, a um, lot less liability in the book world, <laughs> to be quite honest, and um, and loved it. And so I had a friend who was a publisher. I ended up doing writing, doing direct response writing, marketing copy, mm-hmm. and loved doing that. And then he was like, well, do you think you could help somebody write a book? And I was like, well, sure. Like, yeah. Not. And so I co-authored a couple books, and then I self-published, like I said, self-published my first book, got picked by, by a house. And then after a career of kind of being on the publishing side, um, I did a season of family caregiving. Okay. You know, mm-hmm. It yeah. happens. We lost my mom and Steve's mom and his sister. You just, somebody's yeah. got And I did it. Mm-hmm. And then I think it was probably eight or nine years ago, so i gotten everybody's affairs settled. My daughters mm-hmm. have got married and I ended up going to a marketing conference and ran into to someone who short story long needed a ghostwriter. So like, mm-hmm. sure, why not? Yeah. Ghost wrote a book and then you'll maybe appreciate this, but it nearly killed me. Like it okay. did, did it really fast. And uh-huh. I was like, okay, God, never, ever touching another book as long as I live. <laughs> Done with books. Swearing off books, never getting to read another book. And God laughed. 
And, of course. And then I um, met David Hancock, who was with Morgan James. And mm-hmm. he was like, I, I think we have a model that you might like. Mm-hmm. And really, having done it all, I really liked the hybrid space. I love self-publishing. But what they often don't tell you is to be a self-publisher, you actually learn, need to learn to be a publisher. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but with traditional publishing, for the most part, if you can even get a contract, you could give up a lot of control and a lot of money. So I really mm-hmm. love the hybrid space. And so then I ended up doing a lot of acquisitions, looking for new authors and new titles. Um, and then I also ended up, because of who I am and what I do, I ended up creating a a business, a side business as a strategic book coach. So I can help people cool. kind of figure out where they are in the process. Mm-hmm. And then I, and then this, I guess, is my biggest claim to fame is I actually wrote a book with my husband. And Ooh. I'm still married. <laughs> That's <laughs> so, excellent. <laughs> yeah, I've been talking there for, for a minute, but we wrote a book called The Bezos Letters, 14 Principles to Grow Your Business Like Amazon. And it's yeah. done really well. And yeah been fun hit the wall street journal usa today pw yeah that's awesome that's awesome well karen you clearly have done everything i've done everything Um, so you tell me what you want to talk about um well i'm curious like when when was it that you realized okay i have this idea for a book and i'm gonna write it like how did you i feel like in my opinion, the people in my circle they're all like let's write a book let's write a book let's write a book how did you know like Here's something worth writing about. Yeah, that's a really great question. Um, I and I will tell you, I also get that question in a different way when mm-hmm. somebody says, "I've got an idea for a book," but there are a lot of ideas for books, the same kind of yeah. kind of book out there. Uh-huh. And my my question, my answer to the question is pretty much the same, which is, if you if you want to reach an audience with your unique message. Um, a book is going to be yours when it's your unique message. Mm-hmm. So you're bringing your perspective to it, your expertise. Now, I'll start out by saying I am in the nonfiction world. Mm-hmm. I read fiction every day because I believe in the power of story, but yeah. I mostly work in the nonfiction world. And, you know, f- for example, you can't copyright a book title. Like you're, you're mm-hmm. going to have a lot of books that have the same title because your subtitle is going to be different. Your message, it's going to be, it's going to be unique to you. Mm-hmm. And so I think if someone has a, a message that they want to get out in detail, in depth to a large group of people, your, your book is going to be, and again, this is a bit of a marketing comment, but um, mm-hmm. it's your path of least resistance mm-hmm. to get someone to understand you, know you, know your message, and gain your trust. And by mm-hmm. that, I mean, I mean, it's like, are they willing to part with 20 bucks to buy your book? Right. Mm-hmm. Like, before they buy your mastermind, before they buy your course, before they buy, you know, whatever it mm-hmm. is that you're, like, are they willing to take a minimal risk of $20 mm-hmm. for a book? I just use $20 as round number, but $20 mm-hmm. for a book. And then you actually have that person, and you can share your story. You can share right with the caveat that it's all about what's in it for them. Mm -hmm. Because if, if it's all about you, it's a memoir. Right. (laughs) You know, that's the definition of a memoir. It's all about you. Right. If you actually have a way that you want to engage with people and, and I love the term lead gen, that a, Mm -hmm. that a book is a lead generator. And the reason Mm -hmm. I love it is that's a way for somebody who doesn't know you, it leads them back to you. 
Mm-hmm. And then you have an opportunity to build a relationship with your reader. Mm-hmm. And then if you have that relationship and they trust you and they know you and they know their their message, I, I tell people this all the time. For a book to be a successful lead gen, it has to have 110% value. Meaning mm-hmm. you give everybody all that they need to do something themselves. You give totally. them everything. You don't hold anything back. You give them the best of the best of the best. And mm-hmm. then if you do that and you do it well, they're going to come back to you and go, well, I don't want to do this by myself. <laughs> like, right. can right. you help me? Do you have something else? What else can you offer? And mm-hmm. so it's really all about building trust. And I and I know with Story Brand that, that you all um, are supporting, it's that idea of it's all about what's in it for them. You're making mm-hmm. them and their need, the hero, it's their journey, but you're coming alongside that person to say, guess what? I've gone to the school of hard knocks and it's freaking expensive. (laughs) (laughs) If If I had somebody to guide me and lead me through this, here's what I would do. And then you give them that opportunity to be, I mean, it sounds a little weird, but to be cared for by you, for by your mm-hmm. information, by who you are and what you have to offer. And in the nonfiction world, you know, if you're giving people valuable information and you've got that, the time to do it in a book and you've articulated it well, and they, they love it, they're going to come back to you and want more. Mm-hmm. For sure. I love that. Um, recently I read something that, um, used the stat, like, um, the average book sells 500 copies, which they yeah. were talking. They were talking like, it's oh, it's two. It's, oh, it's two fifty. <laughs> okay, well, two fifty. They were talking about it from the perspective of like, oh, this is so low. Is it worth it? But then the other flip side is those are 250 people that you might not have reached otherwise. Um, and if your message is good and if it's going to help people, I love the idea of giving 110 percent away. Um, then like those 250 could be leads. They could be people served. They could be people who refer you to other people. Like who knows? Um, so I love that. Yeah. And, and I will say too, is that if you're thinking about 250 people, you don't write a book for 200, 250 mm-hmm. people. You write a book for one person. Yeah. Two, for sure. To one person. And that's why I would say the most valuable thing is to know who you're writing to, create that avatar mm-hmm. and and figure out who that person is that that you're writing to. I had a um I, uh, I can't think of her name. First name was Alice. I'm blank. She was um she was a writer in residence, I think, at Vanderbilt. Oh. I heard her speak. Mm-hmm. She was she was incredible. She was in the fiction world. But okay. one of the things that she did that I loved is she would create a she would create a character. And she would actually spend the day as the character. She would dress like them, eat like them, order food like them, go to the store like them. She would put on the character. Wow. <laughs> and then she would walk around and she would gain insights because she would she ended up being that character. And I actually think that I I really love that for the nonfiction world because if you can actually put on your reader, like who it is, what are they? What are they, how are they living? What are they ordering? What are they doing at the grocery store? Like, who are they? Where are their pain points? What's keeping them up at night? What's keeping, mm-hmm. you know, what's causing them anxiety? And if your book is is the solution to their problem, then you can write with more emotion because you're totally. like, oh, this is, this is who they are. This is what they're struggling with. This is what they need. I think a lot mm-hmm. of people 
So I have lots of expertise I want to share, which I love. Mm-hmm. But I I feel to have a great book, like not just a good book, a great book, you really have to balance information with inspiration. Like mm-hmm. if you don't, if you have lots of information, I'm sorry, that's a textbook. Like mm-hmm. in, I don't know about you when you were in school, but textbooks <laughs> were not my favorite thing to read. Like they no. were boring and horrible, yeah. but for the most part, <laughs> but, no. but if you get over into something that's compelling and then you go, mm-hmm. oh, I can do that. And you've empowered that person to be able to use your information and, and take that information and make their life better. And you mm-hmm. inspire them to go out and try it and you provide support for them to do it. Then they become like lifelong mm-hmm. supporters of what you're doing. For sure. Some of my favorite nonfiction books are the ones that I feel like I have to like pull out a notepad at the same time where I am like, ju- like there's just so many ideas flowing in my head based on the person writing that I have to write them down or I'm going to forget them. Yeah. Um, and so those are some of my favorite ones. And I can see how that would be both like the compelling factor, but also balancing inspiration and information. Like, yeah. And I, mm-hmm. I think um, I, I like to encourage people to read um, above the room. And by that, okay. I mean, like, like go outside the room, like watch yourself reading, watch your, like, don't get just sucked into the content. Mm-hmm. But let me back up, you know, reading as an observer in terms mm-hmm. of the writing process. And so I have a, I have a favorite fiction author that I love and her name is Louise Penny. She writes, okay. she is a Canadian author She's written probably 15 books. I've read them all. I'll have to read hers. I've read them all three times. <laughs> I love it. And the first time I read it for plot, mm-hmm. like I just wanted to know what was going on, which is great. It, it was interesting. Mm-hmm. So um, I was like, okay. And then, because she's written so much. Then the, I went back and read it as them a second time. And I was reading for character development. Mm. How did she mm-hmm. position people? What were they doing? What were they thinking? What were they feeling? How was she creating them? Mm-hmm. And then the third time I went back and I looked at her, I read that from writing style. How did she how did she set things up? How did she engage people? What was the way she used language? How did she, you know, what did she do? And I think again, that's why I love for people in the nonfiction world to read fiction. Because yeah. Because it's all about story. But then when you go to write about whatever the solution you have to their problem, you can think about, oh, what's the environment? Where are they in? What's creating tension? What's creating story? You know, how can I make this so it, it's it's emotional? And and those and those books, any good book, I think, evokes feeling of some kind. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so by the end of it. Um, I suggest that people um, answer two questions at the end at the end of a book they're writing. It's it's what do you want the person to to feel, and what do you want the person to do mm-hmm. at the end yeah. of the book? What do they, what do you want them to feel? Like oh, I want them to feel hope, or I want them to feel mm-hmm. inspired. But then you got to take them to the next step. What do you want them to do? Do you want to sign up? Have, uh, have them sign up for a free bonus report? Do you want them to be a part of your community? Like, what do you want them to do? And so that they get to it and you don't just leave them hanging. Like my, I don't like putting the words the end at the end of a book. (laughs) 
I don't want it to be the end. I want it to be the beginning, the beginning of a relationship. Yeah. So, um, so yeah, so it's, it's how to get, how to evoke that kind of emotion um, Mm. so that somebody goes, oh yeah, I feel empowered. I can do this. Help me. Can you help me? uh, Can we do it together? So this is excellent. I love it. Um, so we've talked a little bit about like the writing process, like what, like how people figure out an idea, how they should evoke emotion, things like that. Um, usually the next step is figuring out like publishing. You've done everything. How, like when people ask you, what should I do? Like, how do you answer that? Um, so it's, it's a good question. Um, <laughs> And again, I wrote a book on Amazon, Um, Mm -hmm. but I also say the good news is that Amazon has lowered the bar so anyone can write a book. And Uh the bad news is that Amazon has lowered the bar (laughs) and everyone can can write write a book. Right. And so I think it depends on what your your purpose is. So Mm -hmm. if you, I mean, I I love self-publishing and there are lots of ways that you can self-publish. I think it, it depends on what kind of audience you're looking for. So the mm-hmm. thing about going with like a hybrid publisher um, or a traditional publisher is really distribution. So mm-hmm. like with Morgan James, mm-hmm. the author does their content, but we do the production and distribution. Mm-hmm. If you're self-publishing, you do. And you have to do everything. You do everything. Mm-hmm. You do content and production. Mm-hmm. And so you have to do that all on your own. Um, with traditional publishing, like I said, I, for the most part, for most people, traditional publishing isn't isn't. Right a high option today. And mostly Mm -hmm. it's, if you go with a traditional publisher, you got to have an agent, which is a huge deal. Mm -hmm. You're giving up 15 or 20% to an agent. The advances today are incredibly small. They want you to have a huge, Mm -hmm. huge um, platform. And then, then they take your IP. (laughs) And and I've done it. I mean, I've given all that up. I I know exactly what it's like. I've done it Um, and how Mm -hmm. frustrating it can be. And so, I mean, that's why I like the hybrid thing is that for everybody know um, but I think it depends on, you know, how big you want to, ha- how big you want to mm-hmm. grow. If you go, oh, you know, if I do my book and, and I know I do have many friends in the self-publishing world that have done amazing. Um, mm-hmm. but it depends on if you want that to be your day job, like you right. really have to commit to self-publishing because there's a lot you need to learn and do. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I, I learned that all the expensive way. Right. <laughs> <laughs> cool, oh. hard dogs. Um, but, but I would say, um. You know, write as if you were going to get published, um, mm-hmm. and and part of that too is, um, and I would say this to anybody that the more you write, I mean, I think I've written, I don't know, seventeen books. I read a lot mm-hmm. of books. Um, the more books you write, the more you appreciate having a phenomenal editor. Mm-hmm. Because an editor, you can't see it for the forest for the trees, and. Mm-hmm. And an, a good editor is going to go, oh, yeah, <laughs> like this needs work. Like this, mm-hmm. needs, understand it. I will say the other thing too, and this is just if you, even if you work with an editor before you go to hit the publish button, whether it's with with a publisher or whether you're doing it on your own. One of the things that I did with Steve when, because um, the short version is it was his concept, but I wrote the book, you know, yeah. we're still married. Mm-hmm. So that's a good thing. Um, <laughs> one of the things that I, I did is I had him, it was great. I, you know, we're Apple people. So I had mm-hmm. my little Apple TV and my screen and I shared my screen and I had him read the book out loud 
from from beginning to end twice. Cool. And one of the things that I had him, reasons I had him do it. And so I sat there so he could see the manuscript. I had him read from the, the not from uh-huh. the computer. I had him right, read from, from the, the TV. TV. It's a different, it's a different feel. Mm-hmm. And so he was reading from the TV. I had him read the book. And if he read words and he either stumbled over the word or he added a different word or whatever, I was sitting at the keyboard and I was making notes as he was reading. And mm-hmm. I would say, okay, obviously that's not clear. What did you mean by that? And we would clarify it and tweak it and cool. then go on. And we kept doing it. And and then after we got it finished, like perfectly clean, everything done, I had him do it all again. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, are you serious? And I was like, yes, I'm serious. I'm impressed that you guys are still married after that. I don't, think my, husband yes, <laughs> I don't think my husband would stick around um, to read out loud. Is, is that, that I believe that reading is mm-hmm. an auditory function. You're creating pictures oh, in your head. You're, sure. you're like, it, it, you're hearing it. And if you do it out loud, because a lot of people don't like that that part, but if you read it out loud, you'll find where the bumps are. Oh, and, for sure. And one of the things I firmly believe is that if text is confusing or difficult or people don't know the words or whatever, then they stop reading. And what they mm-hmm. go is, oh, I'm really tired. I'll, 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 <laughs> I'll pick this up tomorrow. And right. guess what? They, they never pick up um, no, my um, English teacher, Miss Nelson, shout out to Miss Nelson, made us read things aloud when we were editing them. So, because um, it People's really, hand. it really works differently. So. Well, the other thing that it does is it preps you if you're going to do record an audiobook. Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times authors will go the first time they're in the studio, that's the first time they've read their work out loud. Mm, that's not a not a really good thing to do. No, no, really that's important so when you're not pressured and you're not spending money on a producer and a sound mm-hmm. engineer. It's really, really important to have read that that work a time or two out loud. So when you get into the studio, then you're really much more comfortable. You're much more comfortable right. with content because what's going to happen is you're going to get to read it. You're going to go to read it, and as you're reading it, you're, you're going, "I should have said that," or "That's not true." <laughs> <laughs> Like all these things will be read. So you really book is already published. So (laughs) you really want to be comfortable with your content. Right. Oh my gosh. That's excellent. So the third, like I guess you might have different phases, but what I would see as a phase is like writing, publishing, and then marketing. Um we like I mentioned, we have a lot of authors who come to us um because traditional publishers tell them that they have to have social media platforms, things like that. Um, what have you found that have been some really good ways that either you or people that you know have marketed their books well? Sure. Um, well, um, as you well know, one of the best ways to market a book is through podcasts. Mm-hmm. It really is through podcasts because, you know, in, in the old days, um, you know, in in media, like, again, pre, mm-hmm. pre-podcasting. Um, yeah. Um, you know, you only got two minutes or three minutes. The thing about a mm-hmm. podcast is you've got time and you've got a niche audience. Mm-hmm. So, um, I call them OPP, other people's platforms. Yeah. And getting on other people's platform. If you have a message and they have an audience, it's a perfect match. Mm-hmm. And so I love podcasting for people, um, you know, who are, and 
many podcasters are looking for guests. Yeah. <laughs> and they're sure. happy to, to promote you and your book. Yeah. There's a lot of Facebook groups out there who are people yeah. desperate for guests. So um, and mm-hmm. I and I would say again, um if you're gonna do it, start as small as you can. <laughs> Somebody mm-hmm. has a podcast and they only have five people. Start with five people. They're yeah. five, five amazing people, mm-hmm. and and to not do things like oh, as I say in chapter seven of my book on page two forty five, mm-hmm. like it it's about nobody cares. Value. Yeah, nobody cares. <laughs> like giving value, but if you give value and they know that you're an expert, then they'll they'll be like mm-hmm. oh, I love I would love to read his or her book. Like that would be yeah. great. It's almost kind of like using your book as a lead generator. Like the podcast becomes this lead generator for your book. Your yeah. book becomes this lead generator for a service or whatever you might be. Um, you want to give people like enough information that suddenly they're like, wow, if this was this great, what the heck is in the book? Right. Um, so mm-hmm. Yeah. And so I think podcasting is great. Um, the other thing is, is I think people, even though this sounds like a contradiction, I think um, in traditional media, people people think, oh, like that's not like it's not even worth it anymore. But I think mm-hmm. traditional media is still worth it. I think social media is great, but mm-hmm. you know, go to your local Rotary, Rotary Club and give a, mm-hmm. a talk. Like mm-hmm. contact your, you know, like if you have something um, that's newsworthy, and I really believe mm-hmm. anything that you write, <laughs> you can mm-hmm. make a connection somehow to make it newsworthy. Totally. They're looking for stories, like give them right. a story. And so I think that that's a, a good way uh, to market books. So they really mm-hmm. are looking and it's easier these days to find them than ever. Mm-hmm. So I think that there's that. I think social media is um, is also, it's really huge. Um, mm-hmm. And the difficult part about social media, <laughs> I think, is keeping up your enthusiasm to keep it going. Mm-hmm. Because most people (laughs) get tired of it and want to quit. Totally, totally. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that's where I think having support for social media and planning it out and having a social media strategy and doing that. So it it becomes like brushing your teeth. Like you wouldn't Mm -hmm. think about not brushing your teeth when you get up in the morning. Like Mm -hmm. if that becomes a habit and you know what, you don't have to be creative about it every day. If you know what's Mm -hmm. coming, I think that that can be, that can be really, really helpful. Um, Yeah. I could see that, especially like, um, yeah, the reason I have a business is because people get tired of social media. So, (laughs) frankly, (laughs) Um, but I love the idea of like being prepared because then also all of those things that you just mentioned kind of um, speak to each other. Like if you're going to like podcasting, like if you're podcasting or going to local talks or local meetings all those people, you can invite them to join you on social media and vice versa. And so I think that that's like, I feel like that's also where I see a lot of authors struggle on my side with social media is they're only focused on social media and not doing other things to feed that. Um, Because that can help enthusiasm if you're getting more people engaged. So Yeah. And -hmm. and so I would say another thing that is a marketing function that people sometimes forget to do and it's called giving your book away yeah (laughs) and giving your book away is an incredible opportunity um that people forget about they get very invested in selling their book I Mm. love selling books I mean I make my living with people selling books like I love that but I also 
love the power of getting giving a book away. Mm-hmm. You keep a case in your car. You keep a case in your office. You, keep, you take books with you when you travel. Mm-hmm. Like you just never know when the yeah. opportunity is. And when you give somebody a book, um, you know, depending on on numbers and what you pay for it, let's say round numbers of it costs you, I don't know, $5. I'm just pulling a number out of the air. A book costs mm-hmm. $5. And you you give that book away. That's a $5 expense for a lead gen. And, mm-hmm. you know, if if you're spending that $5 in other places and you get somebody who comes back and goes, I love your book, you know, can I get your coaching? Can I be in your mastermind? Mm-hmm. Can I buy your yeah. course? Can I do whatever? It's a very inexpensive lead gen. Oh, for um, sure. In terms of production cost. And there is something for, for people that go, wow, um, you know, I, I just got a signed book from the author. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The other thing that we do at Morgan James, and this may surprise people. Um, one of the things that we do at Morgan James is we allow authors to give away their free, their ebook for free. Oh, cool. Mm-hmm. And the reason we do that is because we've set it up so that if you give, you go to a landing page, they have to give your e- their email address mm-hmm. to get their mm-hmm. free ebook. And then we give that to the author. Because nice. like somebody who buys a book on Amazon, you don't have a clue or BNN or like wherever. No, mm-hmm. no clue who b- bought that right. book. But what we found is that people are getting multiple versions of the same book. If they buy oh. the audio, they'll buy the print. If they buy the print, they want the ebook. They get the ebook, they'll buy the like they'll buy multiple That's so versions interesting. of the same, same book. Uh-huh. And so the idea is you want people to hear your message. So if you mm-hmm. give the book away, whether it's in print, it doesn't even matter what format is. Mm-hmm. You give that book away, then you have an opportunity to build a relationship with a totally. reader. I love that. I love that. I love that about Morgan James. Um, I think one of the other things that is interesting is that, especially in the nonfiction world, I feel like even if you're self-publishing, the fact that you wrote a book gives you some sort of authority and legitimacy. Um, and so... Even say you only sell 250 <laughs> books um, or less, like maybe my mom would be the only one who bought mine um, if I ever <laughs> one. Um, but, but like that's the thing, though, is it gives you the – it opens doors to different places. Like because if as like a podcast guest I can say, well, I wrote this book, that automatically tells the host – hey, they actually spent time, they spent brain energy. Like, it doesn't necessarily matter how many copies it sold, depending on who your audience is. It positions you as an expert. Mm-hmm. And, and, and you know, that, you know, people, I, I know I said it before, but a lot of it's just about trust. Like, mm-hmm. people want to trust people. And if somebody has spent the time and energy and resources, whatever, to create a book, then they go, oh, they they really, you know, they're invested in it. Mm-hmm. And, um, and it just builds that that trust. And the same kind of things. When people ask me about like any endorsements and forwards, like, is mm-hmm. that all that matter? And unequivocally, my answers are resounding yes. And mm-hmm. Because it's borrowed trust. When you mm-hmm. have people that have endorsed your book or someone's written the forward your book, you're you're that's what goes, oh, I don't know whether I should spend 20 bucks on this book. And then you go, oh, somebody that I know Mm -hmm. 
I recognize mm-hmm. either either yeah. it's a brand or it's a name or mm-hmm. you know, whatever they they did that book. So um, you know they go oh and again it can even be big and that's why publishers use it all the time. Um, so uh, Michael Hyatt is a friend of ours and mm-hmm. he was gracious enough to write the foreword for our our book. Mm-hmm. Yeah. There are a lot of people. I would say a lot of people listening right now who don't know who mm-hmm. Michael Hyatt is, but it says Michael Hyatt, New York Times bestselling author. Right. Mm-hmm. And so now all of a sudden they go, oh, a New York Times bestselling author has endorsed this book. Right. And you go, So you're borrowing that. that tw- you're that borrowing tw- trust from Michael Hyatt and the New York Times, like, which is and cool. So, so when you're doing a book and you know your audience, you want to reach as many people in it that you can with people that they recognize so that they go, Oh, I know that name. And then they go, okay, well, yeah, if they, if they did it, you know, then um, mm-hmm. I'm willing to do it. And the the same thing is true for reviews. Like mm-hmm. when you put up your book, your ebook, those books will carry over for e print. And when people write reviews and the other thing people like, I, I really, I, I can't stress this enough. You do not want all five-star reviews. Like, yeah. <laughs> no, no, because they, like you said, they believe if you've got, you know, if you've sold, you know, you've sold X number of books and they've gotten 10 reviews and all they all 10 book reviews are five stars. Then they go, oh, well, that was her mom, her aunt, <laughs> two of her cousins, her best friend, her, you know, her boyfriend. Right. Like, you feel like it's stacked. Right. But mm-hmm. what you really want to see is you really want to see put on like three quarters of them are going to be five, four, mm-hmm. three few twos and a few ones. And you're kind of really looking for that ladder mm-hmm. so that you get like, I, to me, it's always a day of celebration when you get a one-star review mm-hmm. because the one-star review goes and, and you've got, most of them are really great reviews. You go, oh, now we know that they're outside that circle of influence. You're, you're hitting right. the mark sure. so that, <laughs> that somebody, right. somebody's written a one-star review and then you go, okay. And then you, you, you know, as you write more and more and you get more and more reviews, you learn to um, manage your feelings. Right. When you get those. Well, and that's the thing is like in the end, our books are not for everybody. Like there are books that I've read that I love and there are books that I've read that I don't love. Um, <laughs> and, okay. I, and I always suggest when it comes to reviews, if somebody says something really wacky, my advice is never feed the trolls. Like, right. do not respond to them because mm-hmm. you've got a community. If they're really absurd, the community will respond to them. Like, oh, are totally crazy? Like, you know, totally. no, no, like you're, mm-hmm. you're totally off base. But don't ever, like, don't, mm-hmm. don't feed the trolls. Because yeah, it's for sure. not going to end well. Right. And it's just going to go further. So, and just hurt your feelings more, too. Um, so before we wrap up, Karen, um, it, would you have any, like, words of encouragement for up-and-coming authors? What would you tell them? Um, I would tell them that, um, trying to think of how to say this, um, you know, they say that most people give up right before something good really happens. Mm, they work mm-hmm. really hard and they get discouraged and they go, okay, I'm done. Like I'm, mm-hmm. I'm giving up. And, and my word would just be of encouragement would be don't give up. Like, don't give up too soon. Um, mm-hmm. Don't give up when you're discouraged. Don't give up. Just keep going. Because if you really believe your message has value, mm-hmm. you're doing the person a disservice totally. not, not to help them, not to right. give them your message. 
not mm-hmm. to provide them a solution that you've discovered. And mm-hmm. so if you get give up because you go, oh, my writing's not that good. Well, guess what? That's mm-hmm. why I got invented editors. <laughs> you know, like, so like any of those kind of, um, mm-hmm. you can kind of get over any of those kind of hurdles um, because really, you know, you, you can have a great book that has input impact. And that's, mm-hmm. that's what my bottom line is, is you want your message to have impact and you're totally. going to people that you haven't reached before. And it's worth pressing through when you want to give up or, mm-hmm. you know, like throw your computer out the window or right. whatever. <laughs> um, it's worth, it's worth pressing forward. Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that so much. Um, so Karen, if people want to find you and learn more about your work, where should they connect with you? Yeah, they can. Um, Easily go to my website, which is karenanderson.co. There is no M. It's not .com <laughs> because the M was $95,000. And I decided I didn't need the M that badly. <laughs> like, no, is, no M is worth $95,000. Yeah, no <laughs> so it's karenanderson.co. And if they want, there's a tab for free eBooks and okay. a bunch of books that I've either written or published or been involved in or cool. whatever. There's a tab for that and they can help themselves to free ebooks. Yeah, I'm going to go there now. So Karen, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. I really appreciate your time, um, your wisdom. This has been so fun and so helpful. Well, I love it. If um, I can help anybody, uh, there's a way that they can contact me through my website. But um, but yeah, just um, it's what I love. And I really appreciate the opportunity to be here. Yeah, thank you. Friends, thanks for tuning into this week's podcast episode. I'm so glad that you have. If you've enjoyed it as much as we have, I just ask you to subscribe so you know each time we have a new episode coming out. If you loved our podcast and want to give us a rating or a review, I promise we will read each and every one of them. A special shout out to our friend, Carson Childers, who is producing our podcast. We really appreciate him and all the hard work that he's done for us. Also, thanks to the Stratos team. They have been behind the scenes doing all of the graphic design, brainstorming, etc., etc. Really, this wouldn't be possible without them. I'm thankful for each and every one of you guys. Lastly, listener... We'll be back next week, and I hope you will be too.